0: Let's turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 will begin in verse 26. You can follow along on on the screen if you like. It says, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went... him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? He said, How can I unless someone guides me? He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. And his humiliation... The eunuch said, "See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized?" And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through the, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. All right, so um, in, I'm going to start a, a series next Sunday, I'm just asking the Lord, what do you, what do you have for us today? Um, came back to this text. It's one of my favorite little stories, kind of just tucked away there in Acts. Um, there's a couple of different ideas to draw out today. And so uh, maybe one of them is for you, maybe all of them for you. Uh, let 's see what God wants to say to us, uh, so in this story you have you have two two main characters, two men who don 't know each other. You have Philip and you have this Ethiopian man uh, whose name we never we never learn so philip uh, Philip was a leader in the church in Jerusalem, and so if you are familiar with the first part of the book of Acts where uh, the disciples are praying and, uh, the Spirit of God descends upon the room just like Jesus said he would. And the power of God, uh, fills up all of the people in the room. And there are all these miraculous things that are happening and they're worshiping God in these different languages. And, um, this is just a, this incredible movement of God among this, like, little church of people. And everyone in the town started to ask all these questions. And so, Uh, Peter gets up and he delivers this sermon and just lays out all the good news about Jesus. And thousands of people came to know Jesus as Lord that day, and the church was born. And uh, we read about, um, through those first couple of chapters, about the the self-sacrifice and generosity of this group of people and how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship with one another and to uh, the breaking of bread. In communion and also around the table with one another, and they devoted themselves to prayer, and the Lord added every single day to their number those who were being saved. Uh, we read about them uh, if someone had a need, they had to find a way to meet that need, and if they couldn 't meet it, they would go sell some of their possessions and take that money and give it to the person who had a need and so there was just this generosity of spirit there was this just the miracles of god 's presence just rolling through. This city, um, Philip was a part of that. Philip was was one of the leaders of that church there in Jerusalem, and uh, persecution broke out. And there was Roman persecution, and then uh, Brett Chalene was talking to me about this between the services in, about the persecution from the the Jewish leaders as well. And so this group of Christians began to be arrested and beaten and threatened, and some were killed. And so it became. One of those things where uh, they basically the persecution just pushed the people out of the city into all the surrounding regions and actually just spread the gospel further. Um, they thought they were shutting it down, but you can't stop what God's doing. And so that's how part of how the, the gospel got to all these surrounding areas. And so Philip was a part of that generosity of spirit a part of the miracles of the new testament church and he was one of the persecuted who felt god leading him to go and as he went he was going to share the good news of jesus and so um that's a little bit about who philip was now this ethiopian man we don't know we don't know much about him other than the fact that he was uh in charge of the money for the queen of ethiopia so he was, uh, must have been held in high regard, must have had a lot of integrity in order to have that role. Um, it says that he was a eunuch, which can mean a couple of different things. And a lot of commentators think that's just more of a, more of about the title of him being an official government, like person. Um, he had been in Jerusalem worshiping and he was returning back home. And so this man who is from another land, uh, there was something about God that drew him. And so he had been there worshiping and he's on his way home. And God has this, this uh encounter in mind, this this meeting of these two people who are strangers. Um and so I think the the first part I want to draw out from the from the story is is that very thing is uh about engaging the stranger. And even that word has certain connotations with it, right? Um I say Uh, If I say the word stranger, the next word you think of is danger. Stranger, danger. And that is from this movement to try to like train children in uh, like um, being discerning to the best of their ability about people that, about adults that they don't know. Incredible, important work. This must be done. So don't hear me trying to say we shouldn't be doing that. But along with that has come this this negative connotation of of strangers. Even the fact that it's rooted in the word "strange," you know, that stranger becomes some someone that you don't know. Along with it becomes just someone who just isn't like you in some way. You know, they may they may look different than you do. They may speak differently than you do. They may be dressed differently than you do. Um, Anything about them that is not familiar to you that says that oh you're not you're not one of me or you're not one of us, we label a stranger, and it becomes negative in a sense. You know, this is a part of how we're trained in our in our world to think about people that are different than us. I think that a better way to maybe say it is that a stranger is someone who doesn't have. The sense of belonging in a certain context that you have so you're like well, I, don't, I don't know you, you're not one of us and that becomes like a I'm skeptical of you kind of thing I'm going to keep you at arm's length because you're not, you're not like us even in this specific story you have a Jewish man and an Ethiopian man they're not only from different like they're, they're from different countries they're from different like ethnic backgrounds and customs and their skin color is different For one another. Now we we know what a dividing point all of those different things can be in our world. And so by worldly standards and worldly thinking, they should have looked at one another and said, You're not like me. I don't trust you. Why are you walking toward my chariot? Or, he's not like me. He's not one of us. Why should I go over there and talk to him? That's, that's the way that we're taught to think in our world. However, the Bible lays out a very clear plan of how God wants his people to engage strangers, to engage those who don't have the same sense of belonging that we have in a certain context. That the world is out there saying, you're not one of us, you can't come in here. You're not like us, you're not welcome here. All that kind of stuff. But God says, no, my, my people are actually to be the welcomers. My people are the ones who are looking for people who don't have a sense of belonging and saying, hey, you, you can, you can belong here. I could read verse after verse after verse, Old Testament and New Testament that talks about this. That we are counter cultural in that way. That's, that's who he's making us, who he's called us to be. And that is because it is a reflection of God's heart for those made in his image he's not trying to just make us like nice people you know it's not an episode of Mr. Rogers that we're talking about here of like let's just be kind to each other because uh, that's just a nicer way to live he's like no hospitality to those who don't have a sense of belonging like welcoming them uh, is a reflection it's a shadow of this greater heavenly reality of God welcoming all those Like sons and daughters made in his image, regardless of what they look like or where they're from or how they speak or how they're dressed, what they've been through or what they're going to do. Um, he's like, no, come on. And so the, the hospitality in, in that regard, the welcoming of the stranger, the embracing of those who don't have a sense of belonging communicates something re, like it, it embodies something about God's character. So God looks at Israel, and then when when Israel uh, when it's no longer just about Israel it's about the church, he looks at his people and says, everywhere else around the world, they can segment off based on this and this and this and this, but for you, you will be the welcomers of the stranger. Because this whole world is trying to divide and separate and, and make a hierarchy out of things, and I'm here to show you how things were really created to be which has come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, we are kind of stuck in between those two things sometimes. We're caught between what we are trained to do in our in our world, which is to see anyone that's different than us as other, which means I'm going to keep you at arm's length until I've vetted you, that kind of thing. Um, we're caught between that automatic behavior and then this kingdom ethic of welcoming in the stranger. Now, hear me! Hear me! Like making sense of this. Like, um, there has to be wisdom in all of these things. Okay, so don't hear me throwing heavenly wisdom out of the gate. What I'm saying is that tension that we feel sometimes uh, is because we've been taught something, and we're and now we're also learning something. And a part of walking with the Lord is Him teaching us. How to let go of of what we have been poorly taught, and learning how as kingdom people to bring belonging to those who don't have it, especially in environments where we do have belonging. That's that's really so so essential to it. Um, In places where you fit in and you feel like normal, because this is just these are like these are your people, these are your environments, these are places that you're comfortable those are the key environments where we're supposed to be looking for those who don't share that sense of belonging for example um, you're like where you work normal rhythms of co-workers and comings and goings all that kind of stuff and then you get a you get a new a new person that shows up well they don't know the routines they don't know how, how things work around there they don't know the traditions, they don't know the inside jokes, they don't, they don't know any of those kinds of things. I saw the episode of The Office yesterday where they merged the branches. Uh, and it kind of it reminded me of this of like, here are these strangers that come into this weird, like, Michael Scott, Dwight Shrewd environment, and they're like, what is, what are we doing? One guy was like, I can't do this, I've got to leave. No sense of belonging, being dropped into this, like, like, rhythm of community. Those are strangers in a strange land, you know? So you have coworkers like that. You have you have people who move into where you live, and so to them they might be new. They might be new to our our country. They might be new to our state, our city. Definitely new to your neighborhood. Our our community groups start this week. You may have new people that come into your group. Well, they don't know. They don't know the traditions. They don't know the lingo, the inside jokes. They don't know that like that's your seat where you sit every single week. You know, like they don't know that kind of stuff. And even at church on Sundays, you know, we look around the room, there's people that you don't know, especially, especially this, this particular church setting with, with a church that has merged and now we're four years into this. And so there's always new people coming and going. It's kind of hard sometimes to, to keep in mind that, like, like, there's new people here. And in all of those different environments where the people of God are involved, Whether it's sacred or secular, however you want to think of it, there's really no separation between the two, but I think categorically that might be helpful sometimes. It really doesn't matter uh, if you are bringing bringing belonging, you're helping someone belong at work or where you live, where you go to school, where you worship, where you serve, anywhere that your life is connected there, it is a reflection of... Of how God feels about that person, that God's able to take those simple acts of hospitality and do really deep things with them for several years i um I lived within walking distance of a church that would do a Christmas Eve eleven p m service, and they would uh it would they had it perfectly timed out to where like right at midnight the bells would ring and it was Jesus was born it was really cool. And so all the I lived there for uh, for five, for five Christmases, I would uh, walk down to this church about a 15 minute walk, so peaceful, going to this really like uh like like formal, kind of like, like real like liturgical, if you know what I mean, kind of service, and um, it was just very meaningful to me. I would walk back home. it was just really, it was just good good way to close out Advent for me all those years. But something something that happened every single year is I would walk into this church and there's it wasn't packed by any means, but there were like a lot of people there and there were all, all these families that were sitting all throughout this long kind of shotgun setup. Um, and I would walk in and I would walk maybe three quarters of the way down and sit. And five years, zero people spoke to me. And uh, and uh, don't feel bad for me. I'm fine. Uh, it's just It was just interesting because I kind of put off that vibe like, please don't talk to me anyway. Uh, I don't mean to, but it, it happens, especially in that time. Like, I wasn't there to make friends. I wasn't there to meet people. I was there for one reason. However, it's Christmas Eve. Everybody's there with their families, and you got one dude sitting by himself. No one's going to talk to him. I was like the, I was told the early sir, I was like the old man at Home Alone, you know, no one's gonna come and talk to me, come on. And so I noticed it the first year, and then the second year, and then it just became a game in my head, and every single year. And then I, now I've moved on this side of town and don't get to go, but what, what if I had been in a really dark place, you know? What if I had been questioning a lot of things and, does God love me, care about me, all that kind of stuff? And I'd gone into a church surrounded by all these people with their families on the, on the like coziest night of the year, and I'm sitting by myself. The, the difference that my mind could have gone with no one speaking to me and then just someone being kind, you know, someone speaking to me. How God could, could have used that to communicate something to me. To say, you're not forgotten about. You're, you're not alone in this. I do love you. I do care you care about you. See, I believe that that is a, a part of why God calls us to these simple acts of hospitality. Is because he's able to take something really simple and do something really, really deep with it. Unfortunately, I, was, I wasn't in bad places or anything like that. So I didn't walk away with that wounded, but people do. And so it isn't about cre- uh, creating a nice, uh, like, oh, those people are so nice. It's us believing, like, hey, God's going to use this to say something really deep to you. That's a part of who he's making us out to be. So, verse 29 The spirit said to Philip, "Go over, join this chariot." Okay, now maybe that was common then. You know, I don't, I don't really know Uh, to go and just jump in. I don't know. We don't jump in people's cars, you know, around here, kind of thing. But, um, but you know, among us all the time, there are those people who are like they're foreigners in a foreign land in these different environments that we go into, and when the spirit. Shows you someone, and I bet it's happened to all of us, where you know you notice that someone, in some to some extent, doesn't have a sense of belonging because they're a stranger to you. They're a stranger to the environment, and there's a, and you're kind of like you you want to say something, you want to do something, but you might not always be sure what to say or what to do. I think in that moment, it may be good to remember what it's like to be the stranger, you know, to be the new kid. Perhaps a part of what today is, is just a reminder, you know, for us to like lift our heads a little bit. Um, Because when you have a sense of belonging and you go into an environment, uh, work, church, you know, whatever it is, like you're... You're kind of going about your normal thing, and we tend to gravitate toward those who are not strangers to us. And uh, especially at church, there's some people, this is the only place that you see them. And so, of course, we're, we want to take advantage of that time and do all those kinds of things. And this, this, there's, so, there's so much goodness and beauty in that, of course. I'm not shooting that down at all. But I think it's a reminder to me and hopefully to all of us to like to look around a little bit, you know, to recognize those who don't have that sense of belonging that you have, and to see how God would maybe want to use you to do something really simple but really beautiful at the same time. We also have to be like in touch with the Spirit enough to hear him say, go talk to that person. Or grab a buddy and go talk to that person. We have to be willing to say yes when he says go. You know? Now, let's keep keep going. Verse 30. Philip ran to him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Okay. Now, I wish that I could tell you, if you'll just say yes to the Spirit, that every single act of hospitality is going to go as smoothly as this one did. Okay. But we all know that that's not true. We've all like step, put ourselves out there and taken that risk and walked away just crumbling on the inside of it. That could not have been more disastrous. We've all done it. Uh, we've all had people come up and try really hard and you walk away and you just feel bad for them. You're like, that's so sweet that you tried, but, uh, you know. I'm not here to give a TED Talk on how to be nice and how to talk to strangers and all that. Um, I'm by no means an expert at this. But I'll say this. It will not always go as smoothly as it does in this text. But it will never go as poorly as you think it's going to go when you run that scenario and decide to not do it. You know? That if, if you are trying to honor the Lord... And honor this person or this group of people, even if it feels a little cringy at times and you kinda of didn't know what to say, and you like what you just have no idea how God can use that. It's fine. So it may not always be this easy, but it will never be as hard as it is in, in your head as far as like disastrous. Like you will not do more harm than good ever. God's not gonna like let that happen. So when he says go, just just go. He'll give you what you need. Like, per, we can look at this as it's like, man, Philip sure was good at that. He sure knew what to ask. He sure knew how to respond. Or we could say, man, the Spirit sure did hook him up with words. Spirit sure did give him the, the right question to ask. Now let me jump topics a little bit. Talk about the Ethiopian man for a second. Look at look at verse 31. Philip says, You understand what you're reading. He responds, How can I unless someone guides me? Not a very typical response between two men. Men are usually very hesitant to admit they don't know something or understand something. We don't see rivalry here. We see this really beautiful humility and a teachability that I think is so, so, so important. We talked about this in the men's gathering on on Thursday a little bit, about how, how easy it is after a while to kind of plateau in something as far as like being a learner, you know? Like you first come to know the Lord and you're like, you want to read the Bible, you want to go to church, you want to learn, there's just so much you want to learn. And it seems like over time, it's just like, not that you know everything, but you're like, you feel like you know enough. And then it becomes like, well, I just have to live out what I know, you know, struggling to live it out. Okay. But here we see something modeled for us that I feel like we're really supposed to pay attention to. is having the humility to say, I need someone to guide me. To say, I have something to learn in this situation. That we don't want to lose that sense of being a learner uh, over time or in different situations. Um. The was thinking like what if what would life look like if in if a hundred percent of us in every context of life, if we had the humility and teachability in all of those relationships and all those moments like what how would that be different you know so like we have community groups starting the starting back this week and um I was like, man, what if what if 100% of our people in groups, 100% of the time, went into group with that attitude of like, God wants to teach me something through his word, through his people. I, I cannot wait to see what he wants me to learn tonight. Like if that was our... Our like complete posture of heart and mind, a hundred percent of the time. If a hundred percent of us were, were that way, what would be what would be different about a community group setting? What would be different about a church setting? What would be different about having coffee with someone? What would be what would be different about uh, conversations at the dinner table at night with with parents and kids or friends that are having uh, time together? What would what would it be like at work? What would it be like in your career? What, do, what would what would it just be like if we were just Teachable all the time because we were are humble enough to admit that we just don't know. We just need people to guide us. What if we were always ready to learn from whoever is in the room, from the oldest to the youngest? Now, I don't bring that as an indictment to say that, that like you y'all aren't doing that or just, I think we all look around, and there probably are times where we're super teachable, and there are times where we aren't. I'm kind of more thinking about the consistency of that, and is that something that we we long for and hunger for, and and recognize the the importance of? To so say God has something for me, whether it's watching a sunrise, or having a conversation, or or whatever it may be. The heart of a of a learner to be teachable. And when we're humble, it makes us teachable. It also makes us very leadable. We're able to hear the Spirit say, go talk to that person. Go talk to that group. Follow up on this. Pray about this. All those, all those kinds of things that we long for and love. If you jump down to verse 24, we know that man was reading from Isaiah he's reading from Isaiah 53 which is all about the 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 crucifixion and death of Jesus and who who what it means for Jesus to die for our sins and to be resurrected uh, it's a it's a very like it's the gospel like in packed into this Old Testament chapter and so he's reading in and um, look at verse 34 the eunuch said to Philip about whom I ask you does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture he told him the good news about Jesus. So what he's asking is he's like I'm reading this passage that's about Jesus but the man doesn't know that his name is Jesus. He doesn't know he doesn't know the full story. He knows a little part of the story. And so what does Philip do? Says he opened his mouth and told him the good news about Jesus. So we I feel like a common experience is we all get a little a little nervous when the conversation turns toward the Lord with somebody. Um Again, not trying to paint a whole room with one brush. You may have no problem talking to people about Jesus. But statistically, in a room this size, most of us would be perfectly fine talking about the weather or politics or LSU sports or all these different kinds of things. And if somehow the conversation takes a hard left and suddenly we become, you know, we kind of back it up a little bit, you know there's so many reasons for that and it's not worth getting into all all of it but there are times when we maybe subconsciously kind of make this decision of like well I'm just not going to I'm not not going to like be very vocal I'm going to just live I'm going to live a Christ-like life by example and hope that people catch on to it You know, this like evangelism by like osmosis or something. Like it's just gonna like it's just gonna get in them. It'll soak into them somehow. You know, because we're intimidated or we're scared or whatever it is. Maybe maybe unequipped. You know, it could be all all kinds of things. Um, but you know that's that's not what we see in Jesus or in the apostles. Or in their disciples with Philip, that's not where we see any sort of instruction. It's like, well, you know, you don't really have to use your words. It's pretty clear. Like Jesus spoke, the apostles spoke, Philip speaks. And so, for us, do we need to be living like like living out our faith in a way that is an example? Absolutely, but. That's going to lead to opportunities to speak to talk about the Lord. That's the... Like that is how God has designed things to work. And it's incredible, you know. And we live in a world where, where our world is full of evangelists, right? People who are Advocating for certain things that they're because they're passionate about it, and so we have these social media platforms, and we get to have the opportunity every day to do your own little press conference. And so everyone who didn't ask the question, you get to tell them what you think about whatever it may be. Some people use that more than others, but it's we live in a very opinionated world where we're constantly saying, "Here's what I think about." This is what I'm for, this is what I'm against, and this, and this, and this, and this. And things that we're passionate about. And I wonder if sometimes, if our, our like shyness about speaking is perhaps there's a lack of passion from, from us in terms of like seeing people come to know Jesus for who He, he really is and what He has really done. and that again not painting everyone with the same brush just saying like maybe maybe we need to ask the lord like why am i not passionate about this you know why am i so quick to rage for something or against something and all these things that have zero eternal significance but when it comes to speaking words of life i just pull back just to ask him and you know what? He's not going to like draw he's not going to crush you with a hammer. <laughs> like he's not angry with you about that. Like it's I, like he's not he's not mad about it, but he he wants he wants to fan that into flame for every one of us. It's just there's just too much at stake for us to just keep just going through life making a big deal out of things that ha, that don't matter at all and ignoring the one thing that does, you know? and so um as we are like putting even like all th- kind of all three of these ideas together one of them in terms of like engaging the stranger bringing belonging to those who don't have a sense of belonging and speaking words of life to people like using our our actual words and being Teachable and humble and moldable in that, like letting the spirit like keep shaping us and forming us. It all it all really does fit together in some pretty important ways. This is a reminder that like we we as the people of God are supposed to we're supposed to be like both like in, inwardly focused and outwardly focused at the same time. Like where we're supposed to be like fostering and developing and deepening that sense of belonging among us. Like we are. We are like our arms are locked together, like we are a family that's supposed to be deep and wide. And it's just, it's got absolutely huge and important and wonderful. And equally as huge and important and wonderful is our our outward look to those who don't know the Lord, to those who have run away from him, to those who have never heard the truth about who he is. All these misconceptions that are out there. People who are searching, people who are seeking. This Ethiopian man was searching for something. Something in Jerusalem had got a hold of him, and he got a, a copy of Isaiah and was reading like He was looking for something. Everyone in our world is not as blatant as that, but everyone is searching because it's how God made us to be. And so we are the ones who have to open our mouths and tell them the good news about Jesus. It's the, it's the best news, right? Like, you're not bringing bad news to people. You're, being, you're like, hey, uh, like, light has entered the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. For all of us in this room, or anyone watching over the live stream, like, the good news that Philip spoke to that Ethiopian is the same good news that is for us. And if you've never if you've never heard it or said yes to it, Jesus has come to heal us and to rescue us. You look around our world that's falling apart, and you're like, "What's going on here?" And Jesus, is like, exactly, you can't fix it. That's why I came. And it required him laying his life down and sacrificing himself, and taking all of that garbage upon himself and putting it to death. And he hands us life forever in exchange. And that applies to everyone. So you think about people who feel like they have, they have uh, behaved their way right out of that being a possibility for them, or because life has looked a certain way. There's no way that God can feel that way about them. You look at all the lies and deception that are out there, and we get to bring actual truth to people. We get to look for people who don't know that they belong in the house of the Lord. And we get to say, "Hey, I want to show you show you to your seat." What's more What's more important, you know? And so, as God's people, we are deepening our community, and we are reaching out to those and saying, "Hey, let's keep it's constantly be bringing people into this constantly." I heard an analogy years ago. I'm not sure who came up with it. So, whoever did, good job. So that the church is like it's like a bunch of people standing around and they're all holding on to like 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 a giant like ring. Isn't is why we called it the ring? This is better than why we called it the ring. Giant ring hula hoop type thing of our church. it's everyone standing around on their outside and everyone is holding on to that ring with their left hand. This commonality, like this is who we are. This is what connects us. Christ in us, the hope of glory holding on to that ring with one hand and with the other hand you're reaching out into the lives around you and you're grabbing them and you're bringing them in and saying hey you can hold on to this same ring not the living hope fellowship ring the ch- the church of god in christ ring say there's uh, there's space for you this ring will just keep expanding and i love that idea and want us to like continue to like let god shape us into being those kinds of people We're we're great. We're great at walking together through all seasons of life, and we're great at reaching into the lives of those around us. And so, please don't hear me. This is not a course correction of any sort. This is just an encouragement and a reminder that this is who we are. As I said last week, we just exalt the name of the Lord and let Him draw all people to Himself through our lives. So, God has something for you today, as a learner. It may have nothing to do with anything I just said. It might be a song lyric. It might be a conversation you have with someone. It might be a hug. It might be an introduction. It might be the fact that today, for the first time, you walked across a room and introduced yourself to a stranger because you're a kingdom person. That's what we do. But whatever it is, or whatever all the things are, I hope that you grab onto it this morning. And so we're going to sing a little bit because that's kind of what we do around here. Let me tell you about what this time is really for. Whenever we say the blessing in a few minutes and we go our separate ways and you launch back into life, this is to give you a little window to take a breath, see what God has for you, respond to it, whether it's singing or prayer. You can come down here and pray if you want to. You can pray where you are, of course. Give you a few minutes before that gear shifts for you to kind of just be with the Lord and with his people. And respond to what he's stirring within you. So, why don't you stand up? I'm going to ask the musicians to come back. God, we come before you, and um, I'm so thankful for Philip, and I'm thankful for our Ethiopian friend, and I cannot wait to talk to them one day on the new earth. I got a lot of questions. I'm thankful for both of them giving an example of humility and teachability and leadability. I'm thankful that we just have to open our mouths and tell people the good news about Jesus. It's not It's not hard. God, if there's anyone here this morning who's never, never said yes to that offer, never said yes to what Jesus holds out, I pray that these next few moments... That you would have the most important conversation with them you've ever had. And if anyone is in that room and has that kind of talk with the Lord today, please don't leave without telling somebody about it. And God, we think about those who don't know you. We think about those in our in our world, in our those we work with, those we live around, those are in our family, those Friends of ours who are far from you. We pray for them. We sing for them. We sing with them in mind. So God, whatever it is we need to respond to in these next few moments, we just bring ourselves before you. Ask you to help us to be humble and to be teachable and to be leadable as we sing and pray and respond to what you're stirring within us.